The following episode is brought to you by the generous donations of Laura Pickren, Daryl Delaney, Darren Katzka, Devious Pop-Tart, Irene Viarito, Ryan Royce, Andy Dossett, Danielle Bramhall-Smith, Elizabeth Clark, Eric Whitman, Jessica Smith, Charles Compton, Natasha Rallerson, Richard Cree, The Cam Family, David Scrams, Dustin Troop, Edvarth Arnoff, Michael Clark, Rebecca Gauman, and Shelby Johnson as well as all of our generous patrons. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. tabletop RPG podcast where we use the Genesis rule set in the Eberron campaign setting. My name is Jeff. I'm Philip. I'm Trevor. And I'm Eric. And unfortunately, Randy will not be with us today um, as we do another Eberron reviewed. This is the middle of an arc, which is different than the way we did it last campaign. But frankly, we got tired of doing nine episode uh, uh, lookbacks. So we decided we're going to stick with Every third episode, the arc is not over. Uh, it will continue. Uh, Reinhardt will continue to shirk his obligation for <laughs> several more episodes. Uh, but we wanted to take some questions. Um, I will say there aren't as many questions as we typically have, and I think that is a result of not really having a resolution. That tends to engender discussion. So this might be a shorter episode than normal, but also I think we have a lot to talk about. Okay, do you guys want to help me recap just a little bit? Uh, this was a Reynard ar- obligation arc, if in name only. <laughs> <laughs> we discovered that A-hole runs in the family. <laughs> uh, ain't that just the way with the privilege, though? <laughs> so, yeah, th- we, we, we were sent by Satan himself... I really like saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Every time Eric tells us these orders come from Satan himself. Uh, we, we were sent by Satan himself into the cogs to um, do some digging around on some... Well, originally it was Warforged... Not Warforged, pardon me. Shifter disappearances. Uh, but then there was finally a murder. And um, so we went down to kind of see what's going on. We were told to talk with... Detective Spade, who turned out to be Trevor Basil. Don Basil. <laughs> Don. Who he got. May, yeah, who, who you may recall is Reynard's cousin and one of the many people in his life he was trying to run away from <laughs> and managed to do it again, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> did he? I mean, he did, he did get away. Uh, Long story short, we, we delivered some mail. We found some evidence, um, ultimately, that led us to a Millhatch Indus- Industries. That's not right. Millhatch Labs? Industries. It is interesting. Okay. Millhatch Industries, uh, which, of course, took us to Olive. And the button at the end of these three episodes was old Posey shows up because it turns out she is the one person that might be able to connect the dots for us on some of this stuff to get us moving in the right direction will she it's an eric character so not likely but maybe (laughs) he does want the show to continue so i think she's going to give us just enough he looks mad but maybe we'll learn her name but 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 in a in a pedantic and condescending manner yeah by the way i just want to get out there we're the only ones allowed to talk talk about eric's characters that way Everybody else, everybody else can keep it to themselves. Don't worry. Nobody we'll else, nobody else gets condescended to by them. So everybody else can just <laughs> shut up. And we'll, and and I promise, Philip and I at least will continue to do it enough for everyone to enjoy. That's very um, true. 
Um, uh, also, Eris punched Reynard. Um, yeah, I feel like we left that out. Yeah, actually, that was deeply satisfying. Eris punched Philip. Reynard. Uh, Hob lifted Reynard off the floor by his collar. Uh, didn't change things. Reynard still Reynarded all over the place. But he is going to contact it's HR. Very <laughs> yeah, where is our <laughs> HR department? <laughs> the, same, the same HR that has sent us on now two suicide missions. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, I mean, go ahead. I was just going to say, you all also had a, a companion uh, traveling with you on this little uh, quest. We um, did, and I really... It's flu, not Flula, that's that German guy on the Pitch Perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> I really want Flula Borg along on the next mission. <laughs> Eric, that's your job. Can we get him? Can we book him? <laughs> he seems available. He, he does a lot. Faru, thank you. Faru Delac, who it did turn out. Um, I guess it didn't turn out. It always been that way. Is uh, Kat's half brother? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some shades of adventures past with half brother, brooding half brother, returning after a long time separated. I don't know if Peru was brooding. He seemed very, <laughs> very ple- like fine with the situation. Kat was he did brooding. Not, he did not seem fine. He kept going. I don't understand why anybody would ever live here. I don't well, understand. The city the sucks. <laughs> like that's so true. I don't know, man. City's dope. And the shard's the- dope. Um, anyway, okay. Before we jump into questions, do any of the four of us have anything we want to talk about or ask each other? Grievances um, to air. I, I want to. <laughs> yeah. I want to share a, a, an experience that I hope is relatable and that it's not just me. You know that thing where somebody says something and you're really frustrated by what they said, and then in the car ride home, you think of what you ought to have said. That was me. Yeah with the confrontation with Reynard is after we recorded I came up with 18 better lines <laughs> and I really desperately wish this was the kind of show where we could take it again that you know there's, there's, just there's a, all, of us, all of us get back in Riverside we're doing it again <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's a term for that I know you like your the, yeah there's very, a German word but I don't remember what it well, is there's a, it's a French phrase it's l'esprit d'escalier oh. which is stair, staircase wit you think of it as <laughs> you're walking down the staircase yeah. when you leave yeah, okay. I definitely had that experience with the uh, the confrontation outside with Reynard um, yeah. in, in this episode. Okay, I I have a question, and it is for Trevor. And I, I do want to again get out of the way. None of us were have have been or maybe will be actually upset with Trevor <laughs> for the way that he's playing. Maybe will be. <laughs> Our characters are obviously angry with him, and right. and my well, I mean, just not at just Trevor. Like it is, <laughs> no, at Reynard. <laughs> Whatever entity it, is controlling you behind the scenes, I am very frustrated with them. And as you may you may have, have noticed, my love language with my friends is giving them no end of bad bad times. So, hey, you don't have to keep coming back, fellas. They all gave me a look. <laughs> you called me. So, um, um, but no, like, Trevor, is, 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 is Reynard going to grow up one day? <laughs> <laughs> um, probably not. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Well, I mean, literally, no. We're none of us are going to get better because we're going to hit a hundred off. Yeah. For well, those of you that I didn't mean, catch that. Good. In my mind, he's already made a major life change, and it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. So, at least for a while, he's probably going to stay pretty set the way he is. Just lonelier, we would appear. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, Which I do is a little bit how he wants it. I mean, he Maybe just was disassociated with family, and now he's not really wanting that connection to be disassociated again. So he's not trying to get too super close to anybody. Okay. Man, we really need someone who's more emotionally mature in this group so they can deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> because I'm really, I'm just ticking through the other characters. A, I was Eric, like, can we nope, get a therapist? Is, <laughs> what's the, what's the Sharn version of to, therapist? To guest for a while. Uh, something yeah. through like, uh, Hob only comes halfway. Hob, Hob, Hob can only change so much from the way I originally envisioned sure. him. All right, and he <laughs> sure. is a, no, no. He, I wasn't suggesting that. He, uh, <laughs> he is a different Aris Eris uh, cuts and runs, uh, and I, I just feel like it's it's wrong to put this on Milo. Yeah, Milo has <laughs> like, so Milo much to deal just with. Has so much. It's just wrong for this to be on Milo. 
And I don't trust Eric to do it through an NPC. <laughs> not when he knows everything else that's happening. No, not not because it's Eric, but because he knows everything that's going might and will happen. And and for those of you who did not pick up on it in that in that the latest episode, we are currently at obligation. Are we at eighty? Did we double check that? Um, yes, you are at eighty. We are at eighty, which means that we have a twenty percent chance. Wait, an 80% chance of it getting worse in the next arc. When we hit 100, if we don't resolve things, we will not be... What's up? Go ahead, finish, finish. Yeah. I, have a, I have a statement, finish. Okay, when we hit 100, we will not be able to use our experience points until we have started resolving things, which means we cannot advance our characters. No new skills, no new talents, no cool new... Gadgets from Eris. It's all. Oh, I can build things. That doesn't cost experience. That's a different. Uh... <laughs> I, guess I, just say, I guess I just say no, no new. No, you're er- right. Eris. I have used a lot of like talents and things like that to yes. represent gadgets. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Uh, yeah. We will never get what? What is the? What is the one where you get to drastically change the look of the ship of the boat? Oh, fancy paint job. Um, yeah, we, get we'll never get job. to fancy paint job at this rate. And frankly, yeah. that's devastating. Um, um, yes, I, I would say 80% chance of having to deal with it. It doesn't have to get worse. No, because he'll roll and we have everything from 20 to 100 now will be another obligation. Right, but that just means we have to deal with it. It doesn't necessarily right. mean the problem, the situation gets worse. That's yeah, so, to that's, at least a certain sorry. degree, that's I on guess, us. I just, I just meant the the number gets worse. And also, oh. <laughs> uh, apologies because uh, Eris is at ten, uh, Milo is at twenty, and Hob and Reynard are both at thirty. So it's actually ninety right now. <laughs> is the the obligation total? Okay, Reynard might only... be nice to somebody at some point. <laughs> and I'm the and only I'm... one of you. Well, it's not that you have to deal with your family. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna defend. I'm gonna call defend, your mother. Defend the fact that I'm also at thirty by saying that one, I've been rolled three times, and two, the, the, the two of those three times. Now, one time, I, I genuinely, I, I, I know things I could have done to have made it better, and and didn't do them for various reasons. But two of them. I did not know until the very end of the arc who I was dealing with and what I needed to do about it. So, like, what could I have done? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm working on it now. Me and, uh, me and, uh, oh, geez. Now I just want to call him Calvin. I hate this place. <laughs> I wrote yeah, it but all it's like, down. It's like K-A-L apostrophe V-Y-N. Mm-hmm. It's Calvin. Um, but it needs to be Calvin's. It's Calvin's and Hob. Since, yeah, that's right. Hobbs. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, like like Philip's saying, it's it's an opportunity to to deal with it because that's the other thing is your obligation can't get lower unless it's rolled like and, unless you go out, mm. you obviously could go out of your way and Philip could say I would like Eris to go talk to uh, talk to Olive about potentially doing something to lower obligation like yeah. I, I I would be open to that as well. Um, well, I mean that's how I feel about my obligation to Boom Rush. The clock is now ticking. I've had the first meeting. I've got 10 yeah. days. So it's going to have to Frankly, happen. Eris would like to go have a conversation about increasing her obligation to Olive and lowering it to everyone else at this point. Whose <laughs> um, transfer obligation. Uh, so yeah, and, and every every time I roll obligation while I'm planning out those sessions, and I've kind of talked about this before, there there are multiple states that I basically plot out of like, if if this happens, they will lose X amount of obligation. If this happens, they'll lose Y amount. If this happens, they'll increase it by this much, and mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So, um, so they're kind of they're built into my plans. It's just, um, yeah, how things play out is what ends up happening. So sure, yeah. Um, having said that, hopefully somebody will do something. I'm try. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best to make old Boom Rush happy with me. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so that's what happens with the obligation thing. And it's going to... Boy, what a wrinkle. <laughs> uh, well, I have, I have also, just for, for people out there listening who are familiar with Edge of the Empire, I have also removed some of the rules with obligation. Like, uh, there's also a rule where you all are, like, negatively impacted mechanically if you're... 
obligation is rolled. Like your strain threshold is lowered, and mm. I think there's setback dice involved. And I removed that stuff just because I didn't want it to be the way I was wanting to play it was going to be less. I didn't want it to be that punitive towards you. That, all. that I feels like to be narratively punitive, yeah. not mechanically. That feels unnecessarily um, difficult. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's just supposed Ham- to represent the stress of it. Um, I guess kind of thing. I guess. Yeah. So anyway. Which clearly we don't let our obligation stress us out much at all. So yeah, makes... <laughs> um, oh, I do want to add the dragon above, dragon below, the the street game. Yeah, is this is this a canon thing? Is this something you? I made it up. Was banged up out of your dome. I came up with the name and then built the game around the name, essentially. So. The assumption being it's just a sleight of hand or a magnet or a prestidigitation that they just make it where you say it is. Make it not where you say it is. The hole in the middle is just small enough to the, where the ball always catches. And so when they open it, they flick it one way or the other. And their turn of phrase internally is because we all come from Eberron, which is in between the dragon above and the dragon below. So that's that's how that works. <laughs> So those of you wondering, Eric comes up with secret catchphrases that, for his games that may not have even... Like, In Hobbs, case it comes up. like That's, that's true. <laughs> now, I, I bet you knew as soon as I said Hobbs going to go talk to them, he was like, oh, I didn't have to write that. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's go ahead and get to the questions. Uh, some of yep. them are pretty... Uh, multiple questions, so this may take a little while. <laughs> So if you have or have a question and you'd like to ask it, you can get into our Discord. Everyone who listens can join the Discord and is free to ask a question in one of the general channels. However, we do tier priority. If you are a patron, you uh, there's a channel called Eberron Reviewed Questions that you can ask in. If you are in the $5 a month tier or higher, there is the QA channel where you take top priority. Yeah. Um, as it stands... We have yet to have to tell someone we didn't have time for their questions, uh, and I hope to never have to. Like, obviously, logistically, uh, eventually we will. But <laughs> that's a lot of adverbs. But right now, we can get them all. So come and, come and ask. So first question is from Richard. Uh, I'm going to summarize a bit of it, but not the ones that are actually interrogative. Um, he mentions, or he's talking about the, uh, the confrontation, or first meeting that we had with Detective Spade, um, you know, Basil thought he had all the cards just by his no, now knowing where Reynard was. But other than that, there wasn't a lot. Reynard didn't seem concerned by it, so Reynard didn't engage. Um, and then he says the way that Hob came in, it was like, "Look, you told us we, you told our boss you'd help us, and we don't have a problem telling him you didn't." And given Hob's abilities with the role, that worked. Um, but did you? Did you anticipate that Reynard would would acquiesce to Basil? Did you anticipate that if he didn't, one of us would still try to make something happen? Like, how, how did you did you game out how those things might have played? Yeah. Um, well, and one thing Richard mentioned was equating it to the uh, the cold war situation where Eris just went to them and said, "Hey, he's a he's a spy." Yes, he and, did. I, I I glossed <clears throat> over that. I apologize. Uh, no, you're fine. The the possibility that, that happens again, and. I mean, for one, those two situations are just, I mean, Basil has paperwork proving that he is a a well-known detective from Fairhaven, Detective Spade, who, I mean, random people off the street come in and go, hey, he's actually a member of House uh, Fearland. They're going to be like, uh, no, he's not. He's like, so it, it's a very different situation. So that, that possibility was there in my head because Eris had done it before, but that's yeah um i you know i don't know i i played it out a bunch of different ways and reynard's reynard's outright passivity in the scene was something that did catch me for a bit of a of a loop i wasn't i wasn't expecting it to be that drastic um i i was i was fully anticipating you all not going along with basil's request um but Reynard, I mean, and, and Trevor can speak to this on, on his side, but from my side of things, as as Basil, um, it seemed like Reynard just disengaged from the conversation and was not interested in even talking to Basil or uh, or engaging with the, the request. Um, 
which which was something that I I wasn't fully anticipating. Um, I had fully anticipated you not going along with it because I've I've met you all and I've met your characters. <laughs> so, um, um, so yeah, that's uh, yeah. I do I do play these scenes out multiple ways in my head when I'm planning them, and and that was one that I hadn't really accounted for. So, sure. Um, I I do want to say I don't think any of us went the will rat you out route. No, like, because uh, I think we all knew like you'd made it pretty clear like. Everybody thinks he's Sam Spade or Detective <laughs> Spade. He's Detective Spade. Um, In my uh, notes, his first name is also Sam. So it's yeah, I assume it was. Um, <laughs> and then and then Richard goes on to ask if the plus twenty obligation was a little bit um, GM frustration or punishment. <laughs> well, I mean, and then, ob- and then says, "I can't. I, I I can't. I do understand if you can't elaborate too much, given there's still plot threads dangling." Yeah. But it felt off and a little railroady. I'll just say it. I I personally disagree with Richard. I don't I don't have begrudge him that feeling, but I I didn't feel railroaded. Um, I mean the the obligation system in and of itself is to a certain extent punitive. I mean you you all like you have people that expect things of you, and if you don't do that, then the score goes up. Um, and I I think like I said the the absolute passivity of Reynard in that scene is what would have raised Basil's ire uh, that much to be representative of of a 20 and seeing Reynard in this state and then Reynard's unwillingness to uh, to engage with him and uh, I mean in in Basil's mind and we didn't get too deep into this so I'm not going to get too deep into it uh, from behind the curtain um, but there are people within the house that still thinks Reynard can make good, I guess, uh, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, and Reynard, like, didn't do himself any favors uh, in regards to Basil in that scene. Um, and so the plus 20 obligation wasn't me being frustrated. It was me acknowledging, like, basically like trying to communicate you have to deal with this like like just ignoring these problems aren't going to make them go away at any point and people are just going to continue to get mad <laughs> and 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 want to harangue you further um so so yeah um i was i was not frustrated i don't get frustrated by your all's choices um in the game because uh it's it's your all's game uh i i have fun with it too but um your your choices are are always valid to me and so i'm not going to punish you for playing your characters the way you think you 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 should play them uh so yeah you you said i'm having fun too as though you're under the impression that we're enjoying ourselves is that <laughs> is that what you think fair enough uh, I, that, that is a bold assumption on my part say trevor did i cut you off no you keep coming back fellas like i okay. <laughs> I keep thinking if we ever get to meet in person again, I'll get free dinner out of the deal. So I'm willing to ride the wave <laughs> until that again. Uh, Richard asks uh, a later question, not no longer related to that stuff. Can you further elaborate on the differences between shifters and lycanthropes? Is it just that one is a curse and the other is something you are born with? Or could you be born with lycanthropy? And what keeps the Church of the Silver Flame from hunting shifters? Can I take a stab at it? Because I think I actually know this one. Sure. And then you can it. tell me how wrong I am. Yes. I will be happy um, to. With the exception of the original people that came from another plane, lycanthropy must be um, given to somebody by a lycanthrope, whereas the shifters are a, a genetically passed down set of traits that was born from interspecies. Or, uh, or I, I don't know if it was the original lycanthropes with humans or... Later, don't like anthropes with humans, but they are a race that is from that line. So right? maybe the the yeah that might that, be from that. That's line. a theory. Okay. Um, gotcha, it's gotcha. it's yeah. a chicken or the egg situation of which one came first, the shifters or the lycanthropes. But the the lycanthropes, like the original lycanthropes coming from another plane, that's that's Eric's Eberron. That's not uh, canon with a C or a K. Um, okay, well you got to so. stop messing with me then because I'm talking. <laughs> um, not that I ever would go to like. A Discord or Facebook group of people who take this very seriously because I know, because uh, honestly they can be mean. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> um, but nerds can but, be mean. That's true. But man, yes. I'd, I'd feel dumber than I typically do. 
so yeah, uh, shifters are a, a, a race of people with, like, like Jeff said, genetic traits that are passed down. Um, whereas lycanthropy, they also have, they also have full control. I think that's probably a big difference is sure. Even, even a very well behaved lycanthrope, uh, like we, we met in the first campaign, Mm -hmm. um, will sometimes turn just turn yeah. right it's I not mean that, yeah it's not within that, uh, entirely under control that's the whole idea that's something that's what makes it a curse about is he he would go out into the forest when he knew he was going to turn so he would just be a bear in the forest instead of in the city um, yeah so yeah that that is a big thing um as yeah. to the final question theory, i mean an alternate theory on shifters lycanthropes is um that lycanthropy is like a horrifying curse unleashed on the world by one of the overlords yeah um so or yeah or one of the delkier um or one of the delkier yeah uh the the one question can you be born with lycanthropy that's a hard no right no yeah correct at least at least in it it rules as written in the canonical eberron here in this where we be at yes that's um now to richard's final question of what keeps the church of the silver frame from hunting shifters um a desire like i that there's they're no, people? <laughs> yeah. There's no reason to hunt the shifters. Um, Do they? I mean, they, they don't even still hunt lycanthropes, right? Like, there's not like squads. I mean, if, don't, they'll, they'll probably actively. kill one if they see one. But, um, but I yeah, mean, I mean, if a werewolf is loose, lycanthropes you go hunt are it. Um, but there's not like like it was. Like there's, there's not, not a, no there's not a, there's not a crusade. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. not a concerted crusade out hunting lycanthropes. Um, and and the them killing shifters towards the end of the silver purge uh, was zealotry, was ze- zealotry or um, misunderstanding it was or it was yeah um, Salem uh, it was any number of things um, yeah. so because because it's it's entirely possible that uh, somebody thought that a shifter was a lycanthrope and that's why they were killed um, so so yeah. Um, so yeah, they just they wouldn't do that. The Church of the Silver Phone is not an evil organization that would hunt people for just being people, I guess. So um, yep. at least intentionally. <laughs> so right, at least at least publicly. <laughs> um, I mean, let's shoot straight. There's a very good chance that we could find that out. That would not be out <laughs> if if you created a campaign where you found that out. No one oh, yeah. would be like, oh, they would never. I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Uh, moving on, Darren. Wants to know what would it take for each member of the crew to trust Reynard and then parenthetically again? Mind <laughs> control. I think insinuating that maybe some of us never did in the first place. Uh, do you want to start this one, Aris, or do you want me to? Mind control. All right. Um, brainwashing a wish spell uh, would probably <laughs> do it. Um, maybe groveling. Um. I mean, the thing about Hob is, without getting too much into it, Hob is not the man he once was. And so he knows that there is capacity for change. I think what Hob would have to see is the work to change. If Reynard came up to Hob after this, like, let's say we all go home and get a night's rest, and the next day Reynard comes up to Hob and he's like, well, I just want to let you know that... I'm a different person now. I've turned over a new leaf, and everything should be fine from now on. And I'm going to be good. And I'd be like, "No, you're not." <laughs> but a consistent record of doing things, even small things that aren't self-serving or petty, uh, would. I mean, Hob, Hob has no problem trusting her. Hob would turn around on Vigo. Vigo turned around. You know, it's that's who Hob is. But it's going to have to be proven and not spoken. I yeah. think might be the best way to say it. To answer less glibly, um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how to quantify it. Uh, an absurd amount of work on Reynard's part because um, Eris's tendency, as I said, Eris's tendency is cut and run. That's that's defense. That's safety. Is uh, this person burned me? So now I will wall myself off from them. Um, and so 
yeah, a whole lot. Uh, but, I, but I don't know how to exactly quantify. I don't know what it would look like. I'll say this. There's a big difference with Hobb between what it would take for him to trust Reynard again and what it would take for him to count on Reynard again. Or, mm. um, no, yeah, no, he could count on Reynard. That might be the best way to say it. Because Hobb's world was not shaken deeply by finding out that Reynard was secretly a member of a dragon-marked house. It, it made him less trustful, but it didn't rock his whole world. What, what Hobb is more concerned about is I can't rely on him to be there to do, especially I, I, what Hobb knows for sure. And I think, I mean, and Trevor's doing this on purpose. This is not an indictment of Trevor. Again, I want to keep saying this. Hobb knows that Reynard will not take one for the team, or at least certainly feels like he can trust that Reynard would not take one for the team. And until he believes that he can, he's not going to count on Reynard again. He, yeah, I think that's exactly that's exactly Eris's issue. Um, like Eris's whole idea of team is deep. Like it's a deep idea with her, and the fact that Reynard Reynard would would bail on the team to save his own skin um, is huge. But she already knew that. I think what's really ticked her off here is that Reynard. Reynard did not own that anything that anything about this situation was off. Like it was, oh well, we've all got our own sorted past. That comment has put Reynard on the list. <laughs> the rest of the list isn't good. It's not good company. No, it's not. Eris it's Vigo and whoever past. did terrible things to Eris before we met her. Yeah, that's Eris's sorted past. Yeah. It's, is, is Reynard has joined the list that is made up of Eris, of people who are responsible for Eris's sordid past. In her mind, I should say, because probably <laughs> there are a lot of people on Eris's list who are not actually that responsible. Man, if I could remember any of the names from that dumb book series, I'd say one right now. So one of them was like Liam Payne or something. Ilum? Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, okay, just because this is not this is not there's never this is never going to be a payoff so example uh orgev is on eris's list sure, it's entirely okay. irrational but prince orgev is on eris's list and absolutely why wouldn't he be he was the number one person in charge of the initial thing that led to eris's life falling apart right i i think based on what i know of eris yeah, that, that, that like, is the reason yes in the goblin lands or whatever i don't know it well enough yeah. to yeah, I'm going to trivialize something. You got so. it. Okay. <laughs> I really should read a book. You landed it. Okay, continue. And unfortunately, Randy's not here to answer that. But I think uh, if I were to take a stab at it, it would take less for Milo than for Hob or Eris, just by the way that I, Randy plays Milo. I think that's I mean, true. And I, and I think it has to do with Milo's age. I think he's just like, Milo is just, he's older. He's just more, he's just more steady. I don't know. It just seems and, like he, fl- he rolls with the punches a lot better. In the hierarchy of surprising secrets, he's he's learned a bigger one lately. Yeah, I, I think that yeah, also that's that fair. Make Milo less because he's just learned that. Uh, yeah, maybe a lot of people do have secrets, and yeah. <laughs> you can still love those people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Irene's got a couple. They're both for Trevor. Irene wants to know, and remember, we like Irene, so <laughs> we we give real answers. <laughs> Is Reynard actively avoiding his obligation or just hoping it will all go away on its own? I think both is a perfectly acceptable answer, too, if you're having trouble, if you're waffling a little. No, I mean, I don't want to say actively avoiding, but that does kind of sound correct. Uh, <laughs> he, 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 certainly, he certainly actively extricated himself from something. Exactly. I mean, the whole thing about Reynard's background is that he has created a new person to avoid his past life so in a way yes he is 100% trying to avoid the obligation of somehow making amends with family or or even seeing family again um but I don't think it's just as you know as petty as like oh I just don't want to do that you know what I mean mm-hmm do you think that he believes there's a chance it could all blow over? Either meaning he could return to his family on good terms 
without working towards it, or they'll just give up and stop looking for him? Do you think, like, does Raynard really think deep down either one of those is possible? I don't think he is, uh, I think he's too shallow of a person currently to think that far ahead, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, that he's just not processing yeah. it. That so totally he's kind of sense. like, you know, my life's really good right now. I got what I need, got what I want. Um, he thinks He thinks so, huh? <laughs> he thinks his life's really good right now. Let's go look at how much gold Raynar has. So, <laughs> no, I fair. mean that's that's what's really like what's really interesting to me um, in these very very broken characters that we have created uh, is that it feels like and Randy's not here to disagree with me. So I, uh, but I my my so read that's a tacit on agreement. So <laughs> my, that's right. So obviously I'm right. My read on Milo is that he also is dealing with all of these cascading revelations with a sort of, um, you know, this is, this is all all right in comparison to the thing with, to the, the thing with Kaylee and the book or with, with Kylie and the, Kylie and the book, it, this is all fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Reynard seems to be doing the same thing of, Oh no, this is still fine. It's still fine. It's still fine. Well, and just like why he was so, quiet and uh, you know just almost disregarding Basil As, you know he was confronted with a situation he definitely didn't expect to be confronted with Sure. and was just almost hoping this will go away if I don't acknowledge it <laughs> mm-hmm. so <laughs> the, the problem is um, on the empathy scale all I of can assure you from my negative. interactions with Sally May that, that that's not how that works <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, none of us have empathy. Uh, none, none of our characters have empathy and thought this must be difficult for Reynard too. <laughs> and that's good. like as a player, as Trevor, I was like, "Geez, Louise, guys, you're not even gonna ask me what's up." <laughs> uh, but to be fair, it's obvious you, what's up. And and and, and in her, in her own way, Ares asked you what was up, and he was like. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. You've got secrets too. <laughs> so, um, none of us are particularly open or good friends. Um, and then the next question from Irene also is is directed at Trevor, but I think in a way I could say it's for Eric uh, as a present to Eric to hear this answer. <laughs> Reynard, what will it take to get Rain or Trevor? What will it take to get Reynard in the mindset that it's time to deal with some of this? Trevor has, uh, Eric has uncapped his pen. Oh, <laughs> and man. sitting at his desk, we get to write on his hand. I, I guarantee you there are notebooks <laughs> there, but... Or, you know, Word document. Sorry. Go ahead, Trevor. Oh. You know... I guess probably the promise of, like, the, the slate being wiped clean. Hmm. Like... Because, yes, Reynard definitely messed up. And definitely deserved to be kind of excommunicated. But at the same time, you know, when family hurts you, it cuts deep. So, it, I think in Reynard's mind, the, the slate would, the, to even the playing field, it would just be like a clean slate of like, we're going back to before anything ever happened. <laughs> like, so... So you're you're talking about a complete reconciliation, not we'll leave you alone now. Like like not your ledger is clean, you can walk away, but like an actual going back to the way things used to be. Oh, prodigal situation. I mean, I think in the back of Reynard's mind that would be ideal. Yeah. He likes where he is, he's content, he's like happy with the way he's making money, living his life on his own. Um but you know, he left all that glory, or was kind of pushed out of all that uh, glitz and glamour, and who wouldn't want to go back to that? I'll tell you one thing, it's not going to be nice to Basil, ever. <laughs> Which is funny, because, and I, this might come up in the game, but after that interaction, absolutely not. Basil, like, I had written Basil to be the most sympathetic towards, like, the way you were treated. Like, like he was the one that was like, man, we did Reynard really dirty. 
so, but as Philip said, a hole runs in the family. Like being you, being you a dick is here. their love language. So you guys, like, you guys, you guys heard it here first. Eric thought that was the way to portray the most sympathetic person to a character. Yeah, I don't think to, Reynard picked up on that. To Reynard specifically, like even know, uh, even Alistair in the little cold open, like was every all of them were ribbing each other, and so yeah, sure. Anyway. That didn't feel like ribbing. That was, I know where you live now. That's not ribbing. <laughs> that was at the end. That was after Hob had intimidated Basil into giving up the notes. So that's that's once the the twenty obligation had turned and happened. So, hey, tell and, me when 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 Hob when Hob was successful on, on intimidation, Basil Basil peed a little, right? He he peed just a little. Sure, Basil. <laughs> Okay, I, you know what? I mean, he does that pretty often, but that's just a condition. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Richard circles back to his questions about obligation, uh, mentions some Edge of Empire rules. Um, about, I mean, it says, it says, Edge of Empire rules is written, states that obligation penalties are generally not assessed until the obligation is avoided multiple times. I think it... I mean, obviously... We can we can fudge the rules that we want to fudge, and uh, but it is a fair question since it's in there that way. Um, um, da, 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 obligation was avoided three times, and they finally took a five point increase as a result. Is what happened in the book. It, uh, here we go. Here's the question: What was your thought process in making it an immediate twenty point penalty as opposed to a warning and a gradual increase over the course of multiple obligation avoidances? He is currently GMing an Edge of the Empire game, so he is asking both as a listener and at, for some, I don't know, other options of ways to run his game, I guess. Yeah. So the the reason is because, unlike the rules as written, I also build into every arc where obligation is rolled a way to decrease the obligation, um, which is not the way that it's it's written in Edge of the Empire, that there are consistent and actionable ways to to drive it down, especially in 10 or 20 point increments. Um, and I wanted, I don't know, like I wanted the the obligations to feel like they had, um, had a good amount of, of teeth to them, uh, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, especially one like, like obviously the obligations that you all took are of varying degrees of um, I don't want to say severity, but just the nature of them. Like, Eris's obligation is to her mentor. Um, and so that that is in, inherently less antagonistic than Hob and Reynard's being a bounty and a family that you have burned bridges with. And then Milo's is paranoia. It's, it's this obsession over the death of, of Kylie, uh, which also is treated very differently because that that you're getting into Milo's mental well-being, which he has done a great job since that increase of talking about, like, as opposed to being at the bar, now he's in his booth reading the the journal and becoming more obsessive about that situation. So, you know, I I I I think that I don't know having having that scene in the office play out with Basil, where Reynard does not engage at all and allows, from Basil's perspective, this is not, not Eric speaking, just from Basil's point of view, Reynard has his goon step up and threaten to physically harm him if he doesn't hand over these notes. I don't think Basil would give Reynard a warning. Like, you, you, like he's gonna have a visceral, visceral emotional response to that that is manifested through the increase of obligation. Um, and like I said, if that scene plays out differently, uh, Reynard's obligation goes down. Um, and I mean, so that's honestly Reynard's obligation. Reynard and Hobbes' obligations are the two easiest to plot out of a path to zero, I guess, for, for lack of a better way to put it. Eris's wouldn't be too difficult. And Milo's is the hardest to think, how do you, how do you get rid of this obligation altogether? Um, but you know, the other flip side of, of obligation is a lot of times it, it involves capitulation. It involves not, not making a check to try and quote unquote win the scene, but rather 
as a character, um, humbling yourself and saying, okay, yes, I will, I will do this thing for you because I know that that is what you're asking of me and that's the only way that we're going to be able to make right. <laughs> that's um, why Hob is deeply in over his head right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and obviously I'm speaking primarily towards Reynard and Hobbes because that's the nature of their obligations. Uh, Eris does not need to capitulate to Olive and be like, we will do things your way. Um, but also Eris has the lowest obligation of the party. Olive, uh, Olive is speaking sense. Olive's <laughs> the only person in Eris's life who makes sense right now. Um, so, so yeah, that's why I have been, I, I guess the, the intensity has been turned up in the way that I'm playing obligation is a, I want obligation to feel meaningful and impactful in the characters lives because of the way that I'm structuring the campaign which is actually Leopard's question, so I'll get into that more uh, when we get there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm trying to play these characters and their expectations of the player, the player characters, realistic. And there's there's a version of that scene where it's a five point jump. There's a version of that scene where it's a five point decrease, and potentially next session, Reynard has zero obligation um, to his family, and he's made right. But that's not that's not these characters obviously there's it's going to be a, a path for them so. i was actually <clears throat> i was actually really worried that reynard was going to go with it yeah because eris is actually deeply hurt that hob keeps saying it's him and not us on hob's thing but that is exactly Eris's opinion of Reynard's problem. That is yeah. Reynard's problem. It is not Eris's problem. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, I, I think obviously the the scene after that scene of Reynard explaining the situation and all that, like getting everybody on board, would obviously play out very differently. Did he? So, did he explain the situation? No, I'm saying I'm saying in <laughs> if the he were to. in the realm where <laughs> oh, Reynard oh, in the, goes along with Basil's in the what if world. Yeah. Yeah, in the in the multiverse, um, so so yeah. I mean that's that's why I I ramp up the the difficulty for lack of a better way to put it on the obligation, and also because I don't like I mentioned earlier do the mechanical deficiency of obligation. Like the players aren't being constantly mechanically put at a deficit because they're rolling obligation. It's it's a narrative thing because for me obligation is a narrative tool, and I don't really want to have the mechanics uh, get in the way of that. So anyway, that was a very long answer, but I hope it. I, I hope you now uh, have a better insight into why I did it. I, I'm sorry, I zoned out. Um, Le- <laughs> Leopard asked. I zone out when I talk to you. It's fine. Uh, uh, <laughs> Leopard. Leopard always has rad questions, and here she asks. Here is a question for Eric. I take it back. How do you feel your story buildup has improved or fallen short in this season compared to campaign one? In season one, we had the plot within the first three arcs. Just, I mean, done. <laughs> Not done, set. Uh, whereas this one has been a slower, I love this, slower but more savory burn into the main plot. So speak on that, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to tell a different kind of story. Uh, obviously, campaign one was very much uh, an external force is threatening, uh, at least initially, somebody that you care about, and then further uh, expanding that into threatening the world, um, which is great for like a high fantasy. Let's let's go be big dang darn heroes. And for this one, obviously, when I made the pitch to the cast of doing a, an urban setting campaign in the city of Sharn and having it be a lot more intimate and personal by its very nature. You, if you're trying to tell a personal story for characters, you can't have a big epic story out of the gate because at least in my opinion, it's much more difficult to have a personal story. And so having a slow build up to where the the characters, the player characters can develop relationships and the players can develop uh, genuine feelings towards the NPCs in play um, makes a big difference in, in terms of telling that more intimate personal story. And so that's why it's been much more of a slow burn. And honestly, <laughs> this campaign doesn't really have a plot yet <laughs> in terms of the, the main plot or rather it hasn't been revealed. 
like, I'm just, I'm just making it up as I go, guys. I don't know about you. Um, I mean, yes, that's the nature <laughs> of the game. I, I know that um, we're making it up as we go. We really need you to, give, <laughs> to, to have some plans. <laughs> um, but you know, like uh, uh, Salman Calloway and Norson Milhatch and. Uh, Olive and Satan and Vigo and Ulfin, like all of these characters are being set up to to be figures in the characters' lives that are either allies, neutral parties, or rivals slash villains. And so I want to get all the all the chess pieces on the board because that's how chess works, right? Uh, before <laughs> before things pop off. Um, so so yeah, that's that's I I don't think. I, I don't know. My, my storytelling has just innately improved because I've done it more since starting campaign one. I mean, the more you do a thing, the better you get at it. Um, but I won't say that campaign one was a, a worse story. It was just a very different story. Um, so, so yeah. Campaign one was much more what I, as a, uh, uh, a first time player expected out of a D and D game. Yeah. Uh, this is much different than what I would have expected. Had I, yeah. And honestly, I don't think I would have done... I'm not insinuating I'm doing well this time, but if our first campaign had been this small stakes, low magic stuff, uh, I don't know that I would have uh, been good. Stay <laughs> tuned for campaign three. Talk to good. Yeah, <laughs> campaign three, we all just work in an office together. <laughs> no, that's Kyber Shards. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I do know. Uh, then, I do. I do know what campaign three is going to be, though. So stay tuned <laughs> for a while. Eric made it. Eric made a decision, and then it's going to be like two years down the road, and he thinks it's going to still be the decision he made. <laughs> yeah, zero percent chance. No, because I well, especially after Eric I know what I my next one. character is going to be too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Eric thinks that, but we haven't had our legendary falling out yet, where I get disinvited from the podcast. That's very true. <laughs> that is coming. I think that'll be me and my a-hole characters that I keep <laughs> making. <laughs> All right. And our last question from Leopard is, has your old lady voice from season one improved since you voiced Graham? Philip, would you like to take this one? <laughs> How has Eric's voice improved since he voiced Graham? I haven't heard Eric pretend to be an old lady in a while. Uh, I think, I think the, Eric did, we did as well as I The lady in the I apartment. Would. The busy boy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> who thinks that Gordon has? Boy, based on these questions, J- Jeff is really the only person that thought Gordon the mailman mattered at all at any point during this whole thing. <laughs> nope, I don't think Gordon the mailman mattered. That's what I'm saying. Gordon I'm the mailman's the job was to get us to the monster. Uh, I realize I, I, that now. Uh, it was a it was a funny voice. Uh, you know, gr- it's a different voice. Grandma it's a very different trying, voice. Yeah. Trying to be a very very old. Uh, kind old woman. Um, honestly, nosy, busybody lady. I was trying to be Terry Jones from Monty Python, like his his female voice, where it's just really high pitched and uh, silly. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that way, yes, it has improved because I'm leaning into the silliness of my old lady voice. So. <laughs> and then one last question that actually came from the Q and A tier. I just wanted to save it till the end since it's not related directly to the campaign. Uh, this is from Becca. She asks, a general question for any show or person, because we also take Kyber Shards questions in that tier for people who are, a general question for any show or person who wants to tackle it. What is everyone's dream living space? What are the main features? Money's not an issue unless you want it to be one. I always um, want money to be an issue. That's, I would like for my issue to be, what should I do with all this money? And then just start giving it away. I think about this a lot just because... I'm constantly redoing my own home. Uh, I'm almost done with the kitchen remodel, and I'm already getting the plaster in my living room tested for asbestos to see if I can rip it down and replace it with drywall. I'm constantly shifting my thing. My dream living space is extremely open and modular. With like the exceptions of bedrooms and bathrooms, I wouldn't care if it was just basically a gymnasium with some counters and a sink for a kitchen. Uh, I love openness. Uh, both indoors and outdoors. Uh, the only goal I have is to one day live on even just like five acres, just to have some space, you know. Um, that's all. And honestly, that much space in Oklahoma, money's not a huge issue. 
uh, we still have it and it ain't that expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the one thing I would love to have is a, um, <laughs> bear with me, a well soundproofed room. <laughs> uh, one day when my friends and I can get together again, and I think everyone in this chat right now can attest to this, one of the things that we always devolve into is just making music together. And I would love to be able to do that as loud as we want without disturbing people who didn't want to be a part of it. Uh, it's a big room, soundproof, full of instruments and a big table to play games around. And uh, I don't know, I'd probably let Ferris pick something fun. <laughs> he has opinions about his room. I may as well give him a couple rooms to just absolutely ruin with Nerf guns and YouTube. I don't know what what he, how, what he would do. I mean, um, I go, would probably go, Trevor, say go. mine's like mine's really never gonna happen. Um, House on I the moon. Be floating. Because <laughs> here's how it's gonna go: uh, a industrial loft style apartment type house, house, place, space. Um, I don't know. That also has a backyard. Um, also is above a coffee shop, so it always smelled like coffee. And then tell Trevor about making coffee at home (laughs) where his house might smell like coffee. What? Also candles. Don't tell him about (laughs) candles. Um, but I don't want to try. I just want it to smell like coffee all the time. (laughs) Glade plugins. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Eric how fun it is to smell like coffee all the time. But on like one side, it's like a cityscape, and the other side is like a lake. So you want to live uh, like facing the, the boat ponds. Yeah, Oregon. Yeah. You want to move to Oregon, Trevor. <laughs> or Chicago. It could be Chicago. Oh, I think you want to face the boat pond in Central Park, because you've definitely got a lake on one side and oh, a city yeah. on the other. That wouldn't be No bad. backyard, though. That's true, no backyard. Courtyard. You could turn maybe. a balcony into a backyard. A tiny backyard. <laughs> a backyard big enough for one dog. Not even one of your dogs. <laughs> yeah, not my dog, but a dog. Philip? Um I mean if I could just refit if I could just get an old castle with modern amenities, that'd be solid. But uh I guess. Yeah, because that's the problem with buying a castle is they want you to preserve it. They don't want you to update it. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't actually want to update the appearance of it. No, I just no, want no. it to be climate controlled and have yeah, yeah. plumbing. Yeah, see, that's, that's really. You, that's really I all say, I want. I was gonna say you want a thermostat and toilets. That's what you want. Yes, and may, I guess lighting, um, or or, or a, a team of people to come in and light all of the actual candle powered chandeliers. But <laughs> this. This started with, I don't know, and now you have yep. servants. Um, <laughs> more, I guess, more plausibly, although not very much more plausibly, uh, the living space that I would want. Um, and a very large, very nice uh, outdoor living area, um, which is the thing that I perpetually work on at, at my house. Is I'm always messing. I'm currently messing with the backyard. I'm always messing with the backyard. Um, and a a great hall uh, with a with a big table and a like down the center of the room fireplace. Dope. Um, Enchanted ceiling. That, oh yeah, like like the whole like big big. Uh, vaulted roof with ex- the buttresses with they're flying no no like beams not stonework like wood beams <laughs> okay I'm with you uh, with um, uh, enormous carved chairs uh, you know the great hall from Winterfell or something like that would be about my ideal like main room of my house space I saw an um, oversized beach chair today if you wanna <laughs> it was made out of wood <laughs> Uh, I no, saw, I really I, get a I really get a kick out of gigantic ornate chairs. Like I, I find that immensely amusing. Um, it had a big but umbrella. That would be that would be where I would play D anD. I um, saw a giant cement throne covered in mosaic tile with a toilet built into it today. Also, so that would be interesting. I found out there's a Reddit subreddit called Weird Toilets, and fellas, it does not disappoint. <laughs> in that it contains weird toilets. Yeah, it's exactly right. But it you promises. get what yeah. 
get what you came for. And located in the cloud forest at the top of the mountains in, in Costa Rica. Nice. I, I wanted to go last because I have the most boring answer in that, like, I, I would like a finished basement to, like, do all my content creation business in. But mm-hmm. other than that, like... You live in the wrong state for that, brother. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, other than that, like, four bed, two bath, like, I'm good. Like, it's not um, a big enough backyard for my dogs, and that's that's about it. So, yeah, I'm boring, but but I'm content. <laughs> Did I mention the flaming moat around mine? <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. It's just full of sterno. It's weird. It's gross. It smells terrible. <laughs> it keeps your food warm. <laughs> One thing I would like in a house is uh, Ethernet run throughout it. Ethernet ports built into the wall to where things mm-hmm. could plug in hardline into the that that's that's my nerdy thing that I would want. Oh, also the opposite of curb appeal. I watch all of these like home renovation <laughs> shows and they go through and they're like, oh, you can't even see that house from the curb. We need to clear out. And I'm like, no, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. perfect. Exactly. No one wants to come to the door. That's exactly what I want. Only nope. people I invite can find the door. No one is aware there's a door. They yeah, cannot, that's... There is, that. There's a driving there's back... so much empty land in the middle of town? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, um, there's a piece of land for sale not far from where I live, and I'm driving down the road, uh, and there's a, there's a turnoff with a, the roads called like Gray Branch or something like that. But there's a sign not far because the land is for sale and it says two homes and a barn. And that sign is there because you can't see any evidence that there is anything built on that land. And that's, that's, that's perfect. Like Honestly, the dream. Except there needs to be an enormous gate over that road so that people can't act, don't accidentally come down my driveway. Could I sell you on a hatch built into the ground that your home no. is just completely underground? No. So that way nobody will ever know. You know, I read somewhere a while back that if you are willing to live in it and maintain it, Switzerland will give you one of the many, many old uh, fallout bunkers that they built during the Cold War because they built enough of them to support 125% of their population. Wow. Because they were anticipating having to be underground for a long time. There are more than a few decommissioned underground missile silos in America that people are currently turning in to homes. Yeah. But no, I would not at all want to live underground. I <laughs> not hear me say large outdoor living space. <clears throat> uh, hey, okay. without, a, without a footprint of a home, there's that much more outdoor living space. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so much more room for activities. <laughs> Boy, we're, we're dumb. Becca, that was a great question. I'm sorry that yeah. uh, none of us were prepared enough to answer it. If I had seen it... Yesterday, when you posted it, I would have actually taken some time to think about it. Uh, the real answer is my dream living space changes with every bit of new information that enters my brain and every new thing <laughs> that I see. Like, I've just started buying houseplants because I decided, you know what? My dream is to have more houseplants in my home. And I was right. It's fantastic. Never owned one. Going to kill these, but I'll learn and I, get better next I want. I want to know what you're doing because I keep thinking, you know, houseplants... So I, yeah. I want to know what your experience has been with, with I'll, that. I'll keep, I'll keep you posted. Here's what I did yeah. do. I bought one that you can't kill, and I bought one that's like really already six feet tall and expensive and is very difficult to take care of. So that was stupid, mm. but I liked it. What, what's the one you can't kill? Pothos. Pothos. It's a, it's a hanging, trailing plant that is impossible to kill. So Dig it. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that's not true, but does it does it need a lot of sun? Because that's the problem in my nope. house is I don't have like a whole bunch of. Okay, we'll do this after the good recording. Good <laughs> <laughs> we, we only have so much time. I'm just really enjoying watching Eric react every time we we proceed with this. That is fun. Extremely suburban right. conversation that we're it having. It is time. It is time to wrap it up. Uh, thank you for the everyone. two of you left. Hey, but uh, yeah. what grout do you guys use? Oh my god! <laughs> well, we're having to redo our kitchen right now. Uh, and I'm thinking hairy. like a like sanded, a t- uh, sanded on the ceramic tile, non-sanded on the glass, and you should be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here we go. Thank you so much. I mean, obviously, if you're still listening, you're just a glutton for punishment. Honestly, Eric, cut everything else out, and they'll wonder what we talked about. That'd be good too. 
Except we, what kind of grout do you use? <laughs> we appreciate you guys for listening so much and asking questions. Uh, this is great. We love this interactivity, both through these questions and just in general on the Discord and the Facebook. Speaking of those, we have a Discord, a Facebook, a Twitter presence, an Instagram presence. Uh, they are all at the Geek Panth... Well, pardon me, all but the Discord. All the socials are at the Geek Pantheon. If you'd like to join the Discord, you can do so. There's a link on the Facebook page or on our website, www.thegeekpantheon.com. Our YouTube channel has a lot of DMing advice from Eric, as well as our other show, GM DM'd by Philip. It is a 5E uh, game. Uh, Eric is one of the players, as well as some of other Philip's other... Uh, people he's played with before or friends and Eric streams on Twitch three times a week minimum three times a week the Twitch channel is also the geek pantheon I believe that's everything oh we have a TikTok now do we really we do you just just say that to watch my face he just says this to watch my (laughs) face only build awareness of the brand yeah hey Mm -hmm. I think I will say this. I don't have a TikTok, but I am like just constantly on Twitter, and I love TikTok. I just am not a member myself. From a distance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So having said all that, again, thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next week with another episode. In the meantime, well, and then, too, I'm Jeff. I'm Philip. I'm Trevor. And I'm Eric. Thanks again. Sorry it got weird there at the end. Good night. I'm not. Duh.